If you do any prospecting with LinkedIn, you have got to go get set up with Surf. That's S-U-R-F-E. It's a tool you can use to add new contacts to your CRM system directly from LinkedIn in seconds. I'm using it every single day. I add contacts, follow my deals, keep track of notes, and it ends up saving me a bunch of time on prospecting and outreach, which means I can spend more time moving my deals along. The data is always 100% accurate since I don't have to copy and paste all the fields over from each and every contact that I want to put in my CRM. Instead, Surf does that all automatically with just one click in about 60 seconds. The team over at Surf has put together a very special offer for fans of sales players. There's a link down in the show notes and you can use the promo code JWSURF5. Don't forget the E at the end of Surf. That's JWSURF5 for 5% off your first year. Don't spend another minute doing things manually. Go get set up with Surf. Hello, friends and fellow SaaS sellers. My guest today is Ryan Dowdy. Ryan is the CEO and co-founder of Social Sellers Academy, and she's a master in the art of social selling. I wanted to have her come on because she's got a unique approach to thought leadership, and finding your buyers where they're at. So I've had a couple of guests on in the past that have spoken about LinkedIn, LinkedIn Sales Navigator, and how to use that for pipeline generation. What makes this conversation unique is Ryan focuses on other platforms like Facebook or using Facebook groups to interact with your buying audience. So I thought she had some really great ideas and actionable insights into how you can get better at social selling, not just on LinkedIn, but on various different platforms. So thank you for sharing those, Ryan. And with that, welcome to the show. Hey, Ryan, welcome to the SaaS Sales Players. Hey, Jesse, I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, I have been looking up your, you know, looking over your profile, and it seems like you have a really interesting story to tell uh, about your journey in sales and the work that you're doing right now in the social selling arena. So I'm happy to have you on. I know social sales and social selling is one of the hottest topics that I hear from my audience about is how can I improve my online persona? How can I use uh, you know, social platforms and channels to, to drive pipeline and those kind of things? So I'm very, very excited to have you on the show. We were just riffing a little bit offline and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So to get started, I think the, the best place to start would be just tell us how you, how you landed in this crazy business. Yeah. Yes. Well, thanks again, Jesse, for the opportunity. I'm excited to be here um, and to have a fun conversation. Um, it, it's kind of fun because I play in uh, entrepreneur land these days. I call it entrepreneur land where um, they don't actually love sales as much as we do. And so it's right. really fun to have conversations with people that like actually love it. So I'm pumped to be here. Um, so I wish I could tell you that like there's this fabulous story as to how I wound up in sales a million years ago. Um, but I can't, <laughs> it was, it was a total accident. Um, I wound up, um, getting into sales after college because I really wanted to work in PR and I couldn't find a job in PR and I found a job in sales and I found that sales and PR were exactly the same thing, except for when somebody said yes in sales, um, uh, I got paid a commission and I was like, cool. <laughs> um, yeah. so I started my career in inside sales, um, and then quickly became, and again, this is so interesting how full circle this is. I started as just like, you know, low man on the totem pole, but eventually became what they called a team leader, which I think we now call a closer. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but that was not the verbiage we used at the time. 
And um, so that was how I started my career, totally accidentally, found I was really good at it, loved being in control of my income, eventually went on to sell radio advertising and spend the majority of my career in the digital space. So nice. um, I anything marketing related, I've sold it. Um, right. Right. Like literally all of it. Um, <laughs> wound up falling in love with startups about 10 years ago. Um, so getting into the, the more, you know, marketing technology space and, and different mm -hmm. things like that. And that's when I went from individual contributor to more of the sales enablement side of things. So I was a national sales trainer, um, did the channel sales manager thing, um, and finally ended my, my corporate career as the director of sales for a digital marketing agency. So um, I, I wore all the hats, uh, had yeah. so much fun. Um, but one of the things that I learned was that there's not a lot of really good sales training for people. Um, and, and that was actually when I got into enablement was when the first company I actually worked for living social. Um, oh, cool. Like, yeah. So, you know, very familiar. Yeah. 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 So I worked for living social and that was the first company, Jesse, that like had like a really tried and true, like sales training process of like what it mm. looked like. And, and we had, again, I was a national sales trainer. I traveled the country and trained sales teams and it was really incredible. And that's when I fell in love with teaching sales, not just doing sales, because what came very naturally and innately to me, um, I learned did not come to others. So, um, I never really thought that I would become an entrepreneur. I never really felt called to, I just, you know, I loved sales. I loved selling, uh, but eventually yeah. got to the point where I, I wanted to impact more people. I, I wanted to, um, kind of call the shots, do my own thing. And, um, so I left my corporate career and, um, started a business and initially was teaching sales to brand new female entrepreneurs was my first kind of crack at entrepreneurship. Uh, cool. because again, something that came very easily to me, I found did not come to others. So I was mm -hmm. meeting and networking with these amazing women whose businesses, whose ideas were super smart. They were good at what they did, but they just, their businesses weren't flourishing. And it was because they were terrible at sales. So, um, I started there and then eventually through a series of networking and meeting people, um, wound up getting into, to social sales. And so what's yeah. funny is like, when you say social sales, like you're definitely talking about like LinkedIn and stuff. My first mm -hmm. you know, crack at social sales, my first business, I built an entire business, um, on Facebook, um, literally leveraging Facebook as my social sales tool. So, um, I, I partnered with, um, who was then my business coach and started a company called social sellers Academy, where we train social sales reps currently right yeah. now, primarily for the, uh, for like online entrepreneurs. So a lot of coaches and consultants and things like that, but, um, we're excited about the opportunity to expand the solution into other arenas, because again, another instance of where, what came really naturally to me, I did not realize did not come super naturally to others, um, as far as leveraging social media as a connection tool. So yeah. that is kind of my superpower and where I spend the majority of my time these days. Very interesting. So my listeners, I would, you know, I think we were talking about this a little bit before we, we got on the air here, tend to be in the B2B SaaS space. Yep. And as you referenced that the, the channel for social selling that, that most think of when they think of how do you, you know, set a meeting with a director or a VP at a big company to sell your SaaS tool to right. uh, tends to be, tends to be LinkedIn. Okay. But I am really curious because I personally uh, have dabbled quite a bit in using Facebook to mm -hmm. build a network, a small network sure. and to run ads. 
and do some different sort of campaigns that way, not necessarily to promote SaaS products that I'm, that I'm selling at the time, but just to sort of build up my own personal brand. But I want to hear, because this is so different than what we normally hear, I've had a couple of guests on the show come in and talk about best practices for LinkedIn. And, you know, again, there's a lot of folks out there that, that are speaking about how to use LinkedIn to get meetings and generate pipeline and things like that. But I'm really curious, just, you know, a couple of ways that you can share with us how can someone who's selling, and maybe it is B2B sales, regardless of whether it's software or media or something else, how can someone start using Facebook as a channel for lead generation and to build up their message and brand? Yeah, great question, Jesse. And the reason that I love Facebook as a business tool are Facebook groups, right? Like yeah. there are groups of people um, who have already been gathered by somebody else, right? So say for instance, you work with, um, I don't know, you, you work with insurance companies, right? Like there are Facebook groups full of insurance professionals, right? Like say you work with, I can't even think of another example. Like there's another space, like in the cybersecurity space. Like my guess is if you go to Facebook and type in cybersecurity and then go to groups, there are mm -hmm. groups rallied around those topics. So um, that is kind of the biggest way that I've used Facebook as yeah. a networking tool is it's, it's, people are already gathered, like people who are already interested in a topic um, are really great That's ways to connect. Cool. And then if you're a local seller, right? So, I mean, again, I, I work globally, but if you happen to be a local, like, you know, sell software locally um, or solutions locally, there's local groups. Like mm -hmm. in Can I live in Kansas City. There are, if you go to Kansas City business owners and type for groups, there's no less than like a couple dozen Kansas City business owner groups yeah. um, that you can join. So, uh, for me, that's really where the power of Facebook groups or Facebook is, is in their groups. In the groups. I've heard that. And I'm, I'm part of a number of business oriented groups, sales groups, entrepreneurship groups. So it absolutely makes sense that buyers, you know, audience followers, they're, they're all out there. Everyone has a Facebook profile at this point. Oh. I mean, Facebook is ubiquitous. And I would say people are probably more, you know, I'm making a bunch of assumptions here, but I would imagine that people are in some ways more active on Facebook than they are on LinkedIn, because a lot of the professional world thinks of LinkedIn as still just a job search tool or a, you know, virtual resume. Of course, us in the sales and marketing realm, tend to think of LinkedIn as a platform for thought leadership and those kind of things. But I think a lot of the common people out there that are not, I shouldn't say common people, but a lot of the regular, the regular folk out there that don't work in sales or marketing um, who aren't crazy like we are still think of LinkedIn as just that it's, it's a place where my resume lives. So I think you're, you're, you're onto something there with Facebook. How can, so, so your suggestion would be someone go and the, the word infiltrate is going to sound really weird, but like infiltrate a existing Facebook group, or would you go and create a new Facebook group? Um, both. Or both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> both, um, both is definitely the option that I would, um, I would say. So, I mean, as far as networking, I like to view social media as a networking tool, right? Um, so I think of Facebook groups as networking groups. So right. If you were to go to an in-person networking event, right, you would join the group and you would get to know the people in the group, right? You would get involved in the conversations that are already happening. You would add value. You would introduce yourself. You would build relationships. Like it's 100% exactly the same online, really regardless of what platform you're using. But that's how I, you know, so if there is a Facebook group where somebody has already gathered your ideal client, going into that group, answering questions, 
you know, connecting other people, sharing stories, sharing insight, like just being a member of the community goes really, really, really far. So yeah, uh, I would definitely recommend joining the existing groups. And then if you have the opportunity to create a group, it's instant thought leadership, right? It's instant credibility. When you are the owner of the group, you're the one who can you know, go live and, and do training for your people or create value or create community. Um, so, I, I mean, I think there's definite opportunities there as well in certain industries um, to do that. And uh, I find that in a, in a you know, COVID world, um, you know, people are, are more and more anxious for communication than ever, than for community than ever before, right? Um, we want to feel like we are part of a community. So I think that uh, right. Facebook us to do that. So if you work in an industry um, or, you know, call on a, a sector where community is really important to them, um, a Facebook group is a really great way to do that. Okay. Now th this is really interesting. And this is giving me a bunch of ideas for how I can go run some searches now on Facebook against groups that I sell to. And of course, listeners out there might sell to IT or cybersecurity or developers or operations leaders. Yep. And it sounds like there's, there's really just infinite, not infinite, but just probably thousands and thousands of groups out there centered around people with common interests and that's, that's who's buying. So that's really awesome. Totally. Question for you. Do you guys do anything now? So you, you mentioned you built the whole business on Facebook. Uh, do you do other, so do you do other platforms now or is that still on the roadmap? Yeah, no, absolutely. So that was my first business. Now we we are across platforms um, in Social Sellers Academy because our clients are in so many different sectors. Um, where we try to meet our people, Jesse, is where they're marketing to their people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So to your exact point, right? That like people don't, unless you're in sales, you don't use LinkedIn like we use LinkedIn, right? So for me, my best advice is always to go, where are they marketing to their consumers? Mm -hmm. Um so if it's LinkedIn, that, that's awesome, right? But if it's Instagram, that's cool too. Um, it just depends on your people, right? Like if you work in the e-commerce space, like they're on Instagram. Absolutely, um, yes. You know, so it, it's just understanding those, those industries um, and understanding those people who put an effort in building their social profiles. Um, so yeah, we, we work across, you know, Facebook, Instagram and, uh, and LinkedIn, um, or we, we train across all of those platforms. And then my sales teams cross all those platforms. Cause like I said, my goal is always to not pull people to me, meaning like you have right. to come to Facebook because I have a group, but rather to go to where they are and where they're most comfortable. That's very good advice. So uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking out loud now. So, so the network where your buyers are likely to hang out is probably a good starting point. If you're building some sort of a social outreach campaign or social marketing, social prospecting campaign. Right. Excellent. Do you, do you guys help companies spend media on those platforms? Is it really just focused on the groups and finding individuals on, on these social networks? So no, we don't do, we don't teach any paid strategies. Everything we do is, um, you know, organic, organic lead gen, um, relationship building, audience building, um, those types of things. So again, if you work for a company who wants to have a robust, you know, social media platform or social media following, um, those types yeah. of things. So we don't play as much. I mean, we, we use paid media as we're fans of paid media, but it's not mm -hmm. what we teach. Like we're really focused on the human Organic. to human connection aspect of things. Um, and again, a lot of, of direct outreach and relationship building is a big part of what we do. Awesome. That brings me to a really good question. So I'm a seller. Uh, I am. And, and, you know, my average listeners out there, perhaps trying to build up their social clout in some way, regardless of platform, maybe that's LinkedIn, maybe that's Facebook, maybe it's Instagram. 
what are a couple of things that I can start doing, you know, next week that are going to help me increase my audience size, uh, maybe put myself out there as a thought leader, put content out there in a way that doesn't seem to, so, cause what I see a lot of, and I'm kind of tangenting here, sure. uh, what I see a lot of is people will repost regardless of platform. It could be Facebook, LinkedIn, anywhere. People will just repost the, the content that their marketing team at their company puts out and they don't really add anything to it. There's no, uh, like, like there's no, uh, what's the word I'm curating of that content is the word I'm looking for. There's no curating of it. There's no thought leadership behind it. It's really just like a copy and paste the link and Hey, look, our company did this. What are some ways that someone could sort of strengthen that muscle and starting, you know, say next week, next, next week, start building some better cloud on social media, growing their following, growing their audience size and really reaching the right people with something that's valuable. Sure. Uh, really great question, Jesse. So first things first, it starts with your profile. And I know that that sounds super obvious, but the number of people whose profiles are mediocre at best that are in sales is alarming. And I know that because we recruit salespeople. Um, and so, and again, oftentimes they're using it as a resume, right? Like, okay, this is, I, I used it to get a job, but like, you need to think of your LinkedIn profile or any profile, if you're going to use it for business, as as a billboard right so if you plan to join facebook groups and build network on, you know build a network on facebook or develop some thought leadership on facebook in your industry or your area of expertise it needs to be very clear on your profile what you do because what right. you don't want to do is go into a facebook group like position yourself as a total badass uh start <laughs> building relationships and then people land on your profile and it's locked down totally private there's no mention of what you do People are like, okay, right. you know, um, so you have to set your profile up for success for networking. And again, this is Instagram, this is Facebook, this is LinkedIn. I am not proposing on your personal profiles that you need to become a business robot. Um, <laughs> but the data is showing us, right, that, that people want to do business with people. Even big brands are hiring influencers to be the face of their company, right? Like today's right. consumer wants a face. So yeah. I think that that's, that's really important for us to remember um, on social media is people want to see your face. Um, they want to see you, but they don't just want to see the business you. Um, and this mm -hmm. is actually why I love social selling so much. And I love social media because you will, people share so much more on social media, right? Like in my, in my day, you know, I was, uh, um, I did outside sales a million days, a million years ago, like when you yeah. actually print the MapQuest directions to get where you were going <laughs> office because there was no GPS. Um, oh, or maybe there was, but you couldn't afford it because they were really expensive back then before they became mainstream. Oh, yeah. Um, so anyway, that's when I started my career. And so like, it was a guessing game, Jesse, right? It was mm -hmm. like, hey, I don't know anything about this guy, but I'm going to go try to make a conversation with him. Whereas right. now like, we have access to so much information about people that it allows us to build relationships so much faster. So mm -hmm. for me, I mean, I know you mentioned you have kiddos, like I have small kids, right? Like yeah. that is the perfect connection point. And I share my kids I talk about my kids. There's pictures of my kids. So, you know, if you're a parent, that's a connection point, right? Like yeah. my husband is a diehard Kansas city chiefs fan. Like we watch chiefs games every weekend. You'll see me tagged and stuff. Like it's a connection point. So like, make sure that same thing, when people are looking at you, they're deciding, do I want to have a conversation with this person? They're not just looking for the curated marketing feed. They're looking for the person. Right. That's such yeah. a good point. Yeah. So, I mean, regardless of what your company is putting out, like, don't be afraid to be yourself. And that's one of my favorite things about LinkedIn is how much it has evolved to, to encompass that personal aspect. Right. Um, 
you know, it, it, you can now get to know the people and not just the, the profession. So if I'm making a buying decision or even the decision to take an appointment from someone, am I going to go to the person's profile who has just regurgitated everything the company has fed them? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to take a, a, a meeting from someone who seems to have a little bit of personality? It seems like we have some things in common. They seem super smart or funny, right? Like I'm looking to do business with people that I, you know, that I, I like. So right. I think it's about personality. And that's the first thing that we need to we need to realize, and of course, I'm, you know, be professional, obviously know your industry, know your audience. Um, but I'm so much more likely to connect with somebody who I feel like I have a personal connection to than not. Yeah. What, what would you say to somebody? And I, I hear this a lot from my colleagues and, and frankly, I ruminated, if I can use that word, ruminated a while just in starting this podcast, because, you know, I have a day job still, the podcast is a, is a hobby and a, and a you know, pass a, a passion for me. Sure. What would you say to somebody who's maybe they're wanting to start a side hustle that relates to social media, or maybe they're just trying to get themselves out there as a thought leader in their in their industry, but they're worried that if they start posting things on their LinkedIn, uh, that their employer and their colleagues and and their competitors and other people are going to look at what they're posting, and they might be opening themselves up to scrutiny. I know that like it sound it may sound crazy once you kind of so I know now in retrospect I'm really glad I finally started the podcast even though there was a voice in my head at one point that said, yeah, do you really want to get your voice out there and your name out there and are you are, like do you really want that kind of attention and do you want your colleagues listening to it and I wish I would have started sooner. I wish I wouldn't have listen to that voice that said, Hey, you should be conservative and cautious here. And I should have just gone for it. Right. And I know from talking to other colleagues that they've held off on starting projects that might be building their social profile or building a podcast or a following because they're worried that their employer might think that they're spending too much time on that, or that they might have opinions that are in contra to, to what the employer thinks. What do you say to, to clients that come to you and, and say, oh, I'm a little concerned and maybe you don't have clients that come and say that because maybe all your clients are coming saying, hey, I'm gung-ho, let's do this. I need to grow my audience. Who cares what anyone else thinks? But perhaps you've encountered somebody who's been a little bit uh, you know, concerned or bearish about moving forward with, with building their social profile because of concern that people are going to judge them, whether that's their employer, competitors, peers, et cetera. I, I have never, I remember I, I work with a lot of women, Jesse. I've never met one who is not worried about what other people think of them. Right. <laughs> I figured you were an expert on this. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the first thing I will tell you is, is the legal aspect. Go read your employment contract. Oh, okay. You know, because I, I started my business as a side hustle and, mm-hmm. um, you know, before I left my full-time job and, um, so, you know, I was very much in that situation. And so I chose to build my audience on a different platform, which is why I used Facebook because I use LinkedIn for business, right? So like if I was doing something that was forward facing about the company that I was working for and mm-hmm. somebody asked to connect, I would connect with them on, I'd say, hey, connect with me on LinkedIn. But if I was looking to build an audience separate from that um, or was for my business, I sent them to my Facebook group. So there was a very clear separation of where nice. I was building an audience. Okay. Um, so that was kind of the first thing. So read your employment contract as far as side hustles, things you can do, their control over your usage of social media, et cetera. Um, most companies have very little written in their contracts about those things. Um, but yeah. good. Um, but anyway, <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, so by the way, I just want to say I, I'm really enjoying this because this is just good business advice. One of the things that my listeners ask for more of is great sales advice 
how can I be a better business person? Cause it, it's one of the same and the best salespeople are the best business people. So advice like this is really solid. And yes, you should read your employment agreement and make sure that, you know, there's not a conflict there, but like you said, there likely isn't. Uh, right. And it's also something you can have an open door conversation about with, with your sure. leadership and oh. you should. And this, I, if you're following some folks out there and, and you know, like yourself and, and there's, a, there's many others, especially in the SaaS space that say, mm -hmm. This is the future of building pipeline and this is the future of prospecting is having a presence and having a voice and having thoughts. So now is the time to start really thinking ahead and this is the next wave of how people are going to do this profession. So you're dead on. I just wanted to stop and say that was really good advice to, to start there. So what's next? Yeah. So, you know, obviously it's your employment contract. And then, I mean, again, it's, it's your personal brand in general, right? I think that's what you're saying is that that's, that's really where it's at these days is personal brand, um, which I agree. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is also remembering the number of people, there's actually a lot of really excellent people that give financial advice that like there's, it's most millionaires have multiple mm. streams of income. Right. So it seems kind of crazy town to work for a company or a CEO or a leader that likely has multiple streams of income telling you, you can't have multiple streams of income. As long <laughs> That's as so there's not a conflict of interest, right? Like as long, it's totally different. If you're like, mm -hmm. I sell, you know, I sell IT or, you know, I do IT support. Now I'm going to start my own side hustle. Well, that's a little bit different, right? Because right. Non-compete issues and stuff like that. But I'm talking like, if you want to build you know, a podcast around sales or say you, you know, you do work in whatever industry and you are an expert in that industry, like it does not hurt the business at all. There's no, there's no risk of you taking anybody with you if you were to go do your own thing or whatever the case mm -hmm. may be. So, I mean, for me, that's a lot of people do, you know, tons of people yeah. do direct marketing thing, affiliate marketing. Like there's a lot of people doing multiple things to make money. And so again, as long as you're within your contracted rates as an employer, employee, you do you right yeah um, that's so that's, that's kind great. of you know the, the second piece of it so your employment contract it's also the mindset shift and then finally people are judging you anyway like let's be <laughs> <laughs> so true i mean no matter what you do yeah you can sit there and do nothing about it and still be judged or you judge can... the picture of like your avocado toast or your children <laughs> or your podcast or your side hustle or whatever so just do whatever you want to do um yeah you know that's kind of my viewpoint on judgment. I'm like, dude, you're, you're being judged anyway. So what do you this want to do? And this, by the way, not to cut you off that, this was like the biggest thing for me starting the podcast was, uh, you know, um, look, if it grows past my small critical mass, then people are going to hear it again, colleagues, competitors, employers. And I was paralyzed by the thought of, oh man, people are going to hear me talk and I might say something that I, I later regret or whatever it is. And, or, or the biggest fear for me was people are going to reach out and they're going to say, you sound like an idiot or whatever. Uh, and so far I've been doing this a year and that's not happened. I've only had people reach out and say, thank you for putting this together. Thanks for the content. You know, this is great stuff. This is helpful here. This is helpful there. And typically the people that don't want to listen to me don't have to, they can just move on to the next thing and listen to something that they like to listen to. So people won't, it feels like somehow 
the number, like we think that the number of detractors or critics out there is a lot bigger than it actually is. And that's not to say I'm never going to have someone reach out to me and say, you're awful at this and your episodes are, are not good. It will likely happen, but I've come to terms with the fact that the, you know, the good outweighs that bad and that the risk of that happening is pretty minimal compared to all of the many people who've reached out and said, hey, thanks for doing this and keep going. So, and I'm sure you've experienced the same as you've built out, you know, communities and, and an audience and things like that. So I think that's really great advice. Um, I like to like joke, like if, if you don't have haters, you're not big enough yet. Oh, so I, I might not be big enough yet then because I, I don't have a lot of haters yet. So if, if, nobody, if nobody has told you you're a scam or you talk too fast or anything like that, <laughs> you're not big enough. All right. I'll be on the lookout for that. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's just, you're totally right about all the things. And I've had a similar experience, right? Like I've had people reach out to me and like people that, I've known forever that like, I'm not even friends with, right? Like, I'm like, why are we even connected on social media? That'll just be like, I just love, you know, how much you share about your business. Or I love how passionate mm -hmm. you are about your work. Or I'm just so proud of what you've accomplished. And I'm like, shit, I didn't even know that person was watching. Right. So. Okay. Um, I've had that where, Oh, that person, I forgot about that person. And wow. They right. were paying attention. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it, and I know that's easier said than done, right? And we do all fear judgment. It's, it's how we're wired as humans. But like I said, it, at the end of the day, it's really about, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to create? What do you want to be known for? Um, and, you know, like you said, we don't have a choice anymore. Like if we want to be relevant um, in our careers and our business to our clients, to our prospects, like we've got to get on board. Um, you know, there are companies who are, are dying right now because of their refusal to embrace social media. Or when the pandemic happened, we're really flipping out. I was like, dude, I was working at home in my yoga pants long before it was cool, right? Like, <laughs> it, it, it just, so I think that yeah. it's just evidence that we, we don't have a choice um, but to leverage the tools available to us. And I actually think more companies are going to start embracing it because I also think one of the positives, and I'm using air quotes, that came out of 2020 um, and even a lot of 2021 is that we've realized that we that we can do a lot more business without mm. as much travel as we thought we did, right? Like we thought oh, yeah. we needed to be on a plane, we needed to be in the room, we needed to be good things. And I think we're finding that actually, you know, we really don't. So yeah. I think personal yeah. brand and, and, you know, having that part of your business is super important. Um, and, and I don't think it's, it's getting smaller. If anything, it's getting bigger. And, you know, if I were, if I were the CEO of a big company, I would have to be thinking if all of my employees are posting and they're showing their personalities, but they're also infusing in some of our brand and they're representing our brand well. And I, look, I, I don't think most people set out, most people don't set out on social media to try to destroy their personal brand or right. to be too controversial. You know, some controversy can be spirited and, and actually very entertaining, engaging, sure. but I don't think most people try to get out there and just like completely destroy their, their profiles, right? So right. I've got to think that the risk, again, is, is low for a big business leader who's out there thinking, oh no, my employees are posting on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook. It, I think it's a net positive for, for most brands. And I know of a bunch of thought leaders who I may have never considered certain products or solutions, but because they work there, now I'm like, oh, cool. So-and-so works there. I, I might actually evaluate that next time I need XYZ widget, right? Uh, or, you know, media spend. So I think that's, that's so true. Absolutely. Like we, we teach an entire part of our program is referred to as, um, we talk about engineering your celebrity. Like we talk about the idea of positioning yourself as a trusted advisor for the company that you work for. Right. Yeah, that's like, great. Part of what we teach 
um, yeah. to, you know, sales anymore. It's, it's not just about information, right? It's about insight and insight comes from trusted advisors. People buy from you when they trust you, when they feel like you can mm -hmm. help them, when they feel like you understand their situation and why not give them more tools and resources. And I think companies that are, are the only, the only where I am bought in on companies having some control over social media, like with my folks, I do have some rules around like controversial things to stay away from. Um, and things like that. If you're going to leverage social media with my brand, like there's some things you can and can't do, which is why I said, you know, check your, check your contracts. But most people don't have that clause in their contract. I know I never did in the corporate world yeah. where it was just like, yeah, we, if you're going to use your social media platform to represent my business, you know, there are some, some things that you cannot do. Um, but that's just good advice in any in general. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate that. That's super, super helpful. And yeah, for my audience as well. Here's a question that I think you're uniquely qualified to answer based on the work you do. So now let's say I'm a, I'm a seller and I, you know, I work for XYZ software widget company and I've started to build a little bit of momentum on my social profiles. Maybe I'm tweeting, posting on LinkedIn, you know, getting into Facebook groups and having conversations how do I now tactfully shift gears from sort of that audience growth phase to now I want to make money from this now, or now I want to build pipeline from this. And it, it seems, this is still just full transparency. This, this is still a skill that I'm trying to, to learn, which is, you know, how do you sell tactfully? And you, you hit on it a little bit of, uh, a minute ago about being trustworthy and people buy from who they trust, but what are some ways that someone can sort of sell without, being slimy sales through these social channels. I, I, it feels like there's a very fine art to it. Uh, once you've grown an audience, you've grown that trust. How can someone start that process of making money uh, from these channels? Sure. So from a content perspective, it's like the old school, very Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, jab, 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 right hook. Yep. Right. Which basically means give, 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 ask. So if you are mapping out, like, how am I going to show up as a thought leader? How am I going to build community? How am I going to, you know, do this? That's kind of the, the direction we want to go. Um, so value, 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 ask, and make it a soft ask, right? Um, we call them give ask posts in my world. So like here, let me provide some value. And by the way, if this is a problem you have, I can help you with that. Or by the way, we, you know, we have space on our calendar for consultations for ABC, XYZ, if this is an issue for you. So that's kind of how the content creation piece goes is like, mm -hmm. definitely make sure we give more than we ask. Um, but one of the ways that we focus on getting into conversation as quickly as possible, Jesse, is we want to get into conversation with everybody in our audience. Every Instagram follower we have, we send a direct message to. Hey, Jesse, wow. part of the community. We're super excited to meet you. Um, same thing. Every time you get a LinkedIn connection request, hey, Jesse, thanks for connecting um, on any of the platforms, like even in our Facebook group, everybody got DMs. Hey, thanks so much for being part of this community. We're so glad you're here. You know, this is what you can expect from the community. And we just started conversations from a place of service. And then it's the assumption that you, you, you know, you're part of this community. There's something here that brought you here. How can we serve you? You know, are you looking for yeah. resources? What tools are you looking for? Who can I introduce you to? What, what resources do you need as a member of this community? And you'll find that most of the time people will tell you what they need and what they want um, if you just ask them. So for us, it's not just about building audience to, to yell at them through a megaphone, right? It's to build an audience yeah. to build relationships. And do, do you automate any of that outreach or is that all done personalized one-to-one -one messages out through those channels? On LinkedIn, we automate our connection request sure. for the first message. Okay. And I'm not um, against automating, by the way. I, I'm just curious if there's, you know, hacks there. I don't want to call it hacks, but tips yep. and tricks there for 
force multiplying because obviously it can be a big uh, it can be a big project to try to go out and you know ping directly everyone on your social following especially if you have a massive you know tens of thousands of followers right right yeah i mean as soon as you know the earlier you start the better for sure um as far as your audience in that sort of stuff so um, automate LinkedIn's the only one that has any automation. I haven't found anything on Facebook or Instagram that I like. That's not spammy. Um, that doesn't involve some level of personalization. So we do it all personalized. I mean, think about it. If you're an SDR, like that's your job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To people. You know, like if, if that's, mm-hmm. if that's what you're doing here, um, is your business development rep, you know, whether it's the phone, whether it's email, whether it's, you know, whatever that that's your job is to go start conversations. So um, and how, isn't it so much easier to start conversations with people that have already opted into being a part of your community, right? By way of accepting a connection request or not. Um, and again, I am not, please hear me loud and clear, my friends. I am not proposing that we hop into people's inbox and pitch them things. Right, right. I'm going to say that for you again. Yes, I'm not please. suggesting that we pop into people's inboxes and we sell them things. I am suggesting that we start conversations about them. Hey, Jesse, thanks so much for, you know, accepting my connection request. I love that you started a podcast. What's your favorite part about podcasting, right? Do you think Jesse's going to respond to that message versus, hey, Jesse, my name is, and I'm amazing. And here's all the great things that we do. And here's the link to my calendar. If you want to give me 15 minutes of your time. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. The first one's way more personalized and just real, you know, and I want to buy from real humans. So that's, that's awesome. Great example. So tell us about, it looks like you do a six month training course. Six months is a long time. Uh, I'm sure that it is worth the the six month investment. How does that work? I mean, is that for individual reps? It looks like you guys also do sort of team, uh, you know, team training for large groups, but, but tell us about that six month program for, for learning how to social sell. Um, It's actually pretty wild. It's now 12 months. um, Okay. Um, it's, it's a 12 month program and we do work primarily with teams. So our offer is going to be geared towards the team, not so much the individual contributor. Um, but we work, you know, directly with, with business owners and their teams. And the reason it's a full year. So we train live five days a week. So there's an entire training library and that's great. Um, but my belief, Jesse, is that information is cheap, right? Like if you want to learn how to sell, read a book listen to a podcast. Like right. there's so many resources out there. I think where the rubber hits the road is in true mastery. It's in practice, right? Um, I use a lot of sports analogies. I can't help myself, right? <laughs> but the reason that, you know, people can, can shoot free throws in high pressure situations is because they've shot free throws so many flipping times by themselves yeah. in the gym that they can nail the free throw, you know, when it's a game winner, buzzer beating, you know, whatever type situation. So we help, like our big thing is developing mastery right? It's not enough to know how to overcome an objection. It's, you have to learn how to do it over and over and over again. You have to have, um, you have to develop that, that muscle memory that keeps your body like, so sales, this is kind of my, my, my philosophy, you know, sales is about <laughs> controlling our emotions, right? It's about mm-hmm. controlling our emotions. And so if you are not practiced at hearing objections at overcoming, you know, at overcoming objections or being rejected, your nervous system is like, ah, what are we doing? Right? Like your brain thinks you're about yeah. to be when somebody's telling you no, and you have to learn how to control that. And the best way to control that is through practice. So the reason that our program is 12 months is not because there's 12 months worth of content, right? And not because the content is even that revolutionary. And if I'm honest, don't tell anybody Mm. I said that, but it's because (laughs) it's about the development of mastery. It's about practice. And it's not enough that practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect, right? 
So being in a room full of people, hearing other people role play, and then you role play, and then hearing from your peers. So um, we take a little bit different approach to it. Yeah, that resonates because I'm a big believer in consistency is yep. more important than like trying to turn everything upside down and change everything, right? So small incremental changes day over, you know, day over day, week over week, they compound. And then a year later, you look back and you're like, oh, wow, I'm a podcaster or, oh, wow, I'm a social seller or, you know, wow, I have this massive pipeline. I just closed a seven figure deal. So that is, you know, in my mind, one of the most underrated aspects of being great in business and one that doesn't get talked about very much, but if you look and study the greats, that is what they did is, and that's what they do is they go and it's a, it's a whole compounding process. So I think that actually in that context, 12 months doesn't sound like that long, 12 months. If I'm thinking of like some kind of boot camp where, okay, in six weeks, I'm going to be trained up with this skill set uh, is quite different than, you know, 12 months of dedicated to the discipline of it. And then being able to come out the other side, a completely transformed person. That is super interesting. I, I really like the, the approach. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and again, our ideal client who we serve, I mean, not that we can't serve larger companies, but we serve a lot of startups. Um, we serve a lot of small, like people that, that the budget for enablement isn't there, right? Like if you, if you had the budget for sales enablement or sales training or team, you would, you would absolutely have it. Right. Um, but maybe the sales team isn't large enough for that yet. Or like I said, budget just isn't there yet. We seek to be that arm for that startup company. That's awesome. No, that's a great, great service. Uh, I have kind of a curveball question for you here, sort of uh, related, sort of off topic. So it is, I shouldn't say apparently, I know this, it's, is it, it's Women in Sales Month. Are you familiar? Um, I was tagged in a couple of posts on it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have worked with some fantastic uh, women sellers in my career. I've been really fortunate that some of my closest colleagues are, are, are women. Some of the best reps that I've ever worked with are women. Uh, but when I look at my podcast audience breakdown, there's unfortunately not as many women tuning in as, as men. I think that's just, you know, somewhat representative of the industry as a whole, although I do think it's dramatically changing and drastically changing because I see more and more women entering the space every day. Um, what are some, you know, what's some advice you'd give out there to, to a woman who's tuning into the show uh, on how they can, you know, up their game or improve their career and not that they need to improve their career, but you know, what, what are some things that you see, uh, you know, women might tell themselves that hold themselves back in the industry uh, that might resonate with them. I know you've done a lot of work with, you know, women business owners, women sellers. And so I want to use this opportunity to just get a, a, a nice message out to, to women during women in sales month. Yeah. Um, you don't have to do it the way your male counterparts do. <laughs> I like that. So I'll tell you a story behind that. And I, um, I, when I was working for Living Social, actually, funny enough, my, my manager left and I was devastated because I adored her. And in the interim, while they were hiring a new manager, we like got put with like a management trainee and he was a great dude. He was super smart. He was so good at his job. Um, but he like, he was like, Ryan, just do this, just do this, just do this. And it was so masculine and it was so not me. And I was like, I can't say things like that to people. Like if I walk into a business and say that, like, they're going to like, they're going to tell me to get out. Like, it's not my personality. It's not my style. So one of the, the issues I think is, again, it is women were like, okay, cool. This is the way this is being done. And we're watching somebody whose personality style, like uh, their mannerisms, who they are, their energy is totally different trying to do something. So I'm not saying like, don't listen to your manager or your boss, but like, be okay with that guy's approach might not be your approach and it's okay as long as you get the job done. Yeah. I've, I've literally seen that play out with some of my female colleagues also is, 
hey, you just need to have more executive presence or you just need to you know, be more assertive. And it's like, well, hold on. Okay, that works for you. And by the way, that's that shouldn't be generalized across any gender either, right? right? I mean, some people have a more assertive personality than others and the ones that don't aren't necessarily not good at selling, right? It doesn't, that doesn't, disqual- it doesn't disqualify you from the profession just because you maybe aren't the most loudest person in the room, right? So um, that's really, really an interesting insight. Anything else you could share? Um, the, don't, don't shy away from the fact that you're a woman. And I know that that sounds really silly, but again, I'm gonna tell you another story because I'm a good salesperson and I like to tell stories. Uh, yeah, please. <laughs> I remember, um, it, it, I, I grew up in marketing, Jesse, so it wasn't an overly male industry. I never really experienced that. I, I didn't experience that as much as other women in other industries until right. I went to work for a newspaper company. I worked for their digital arm, but it was a newspaper company. And as you can imagine, it was very male. Little old school. Yeah. Real old school. And um, I, I didn't even know it until I was in a room. I, I was invited to a meeting and it was like the CEO and some other people and everything. And I was the only woman in the room. And I was like, oh shit, like I've never been in this situation before. <laughs> and um, I'm like recently engaged and like planning a wedding. And um, I, while I worked for that company, I went on to like get pregnant, have a baby and all this other stuff. And like, I just yeah. didn't talk about those things. I like just never mentioned my wedding and like just tried to kind of pretend like I wasn't pregnant. Like oh, man. walking through uh, New Orleans with my boss when I was like eight months pregnant. Um, <laughs> And that was my last trip for the record. Cause I was like, this is stupid. Um, yeah. it was, uh, cause I, I traveled and I just like tried to pretend like it wasn't happening. I was like, Oh yeah, no, I'm not a total, you know, girl. I'm not, it was just weird. And because I didn't know what to do, I'd never been in that situation. But then like later on down the road in a relationship with that boss, I no longer work with him, but he was like, no, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I always just thought it was so badass that like you as a woman, like you just showed up and you didn't give a shit and you got things done and da da da. And I didn't know that he felt that way, right? Like I just was like, don't draw attention to the fact. <laughs> like people could right. tell you're a woman, right? Like I don't know what I yeah. thought I was doing, but uh, th- that's the thing. Like it's okay to be you, and anywhere that you work, that it's not okay to be you. You don't want to work there, whether you're male or female. Otherwise, so um, that's kind of my my advice to women is is don't. Because I mean, I missed cool opportunities to like share with my colleagues, the people I spent a shit ton of time with about like getting married and having a baby because I was like, oh, I don't want to draw attention to the fact that I'm a girl, even though I'm a girl. Um, it was silly. It was- yeah. And, and I think that that brings up, you know, kind of full circle earlier in the conversation, you talked about how a big part of social selling is just being yourself and nice. putting your real self out there. And if that's your kids or your sports team or your hobbies or your state, or where you know wherever you live, uh, your your activities; those are all sort of part of the puzzle of who we are as sellers and part of our stories, and they make us unique and they make us human. So I think it, I think it's especially important, uh, or I see it as especially important for for women to to begin to kind of put that out there more. And again, I've always been a champion. I've had some fantastic female bosses and counterparts, and some of the top deals that I've seen close were were you know a female account executive doing it. And uh, I would love to reach more on the podcast too. So I'm, I'm glad I had you on the show because I think this is really, you know, interesting insight and uh, some, some wisdom from someone who's worked alongside a lot of fantastic female business leaders. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to do it. And I am very happy to, you know, to kind of carry that torch. It's, it's a big part of, of my mission is to get more women into sales because I think that women are excellent yeah. at sales and where I think a lot of women have the misconception that you know, sales is, is not a great career for a woman because she does want to get married and have kids someday and stuff. I actually vehemently disagree. I think that mm-hmm. when you're good at sales, you have a lot of control over your calendar. You do. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, 
nobody cares as long as you're getting shit done and you're hitting quota right. like it doesn't matter so if you need to go pick a kid up from school or go to the howling party or do the thing you have a lot of flexibility to do that as long as you're hitting your quota so for me i think it's an excellent career for women and that's part of my personal mission so thank you for asking that question yeah of course and thank you for for sharing your story and and some some advice for our female audience out there Anything else you want to share with the, the, the listeners out there around selling, social selling, being a woman in sales, being a business owner, anything you can, any other wisdom you care to provide? Uh, my wisdom is that, you know, it, it's not any different guys. Like it doesn't matter the platform. People get all weirded out. I don't know what to do on social media solve problems, meet people, build relationships, solve problems. Like don't overcomplicate it whether it's over the phone, whether it's over email, whether it's in person, whether, I mean, whatever it is, it's all the same. So as long as you come from a heart of service and a place of solving problems, genuine problems for people, um, it doesn't matter the platform. Awesome. Now, if my listeners want to come and sign up for the course or read your website or learn what you do, where can they find you? Um, social media is an excellent place to connect with us. And so our, our website is daily sales on demand for CEOs.com. We have a podcast by the exact same name, um, but feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I am Ryan with two ends Dowdy, and I love to network and connect. Um, and yeah, I'm on all the social platforms. So, um, but if you want to check out the website or the podcast, and again, like I said, our, our service is definitely geared towards the, the business owner, um, mm -hmm. or the leader putting their team in, but our podcast has a lot of really good, tangible advice, regardless if you're the one selling or not. So the podcast is a great place to just kind of dip your toe in and learn a little bit more yeah. about social sales and how we do it. And I will post a link to that in the show notes. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story and sharing some, some wisdom for us around social selling. Awesome. Happy to do it, Jesse. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah.